0: It is Wednesday, May 5th, 2021. Today we discuss Cosmos DB update, Microsoft investing in Databricks, refactoring SSIS to ADF, and a whole bunch more. I am Michael Askins, architect and technologist, and this is the Technology Architecture Solution Engineering Show in a little bit of a different format. In the virtual studio and live stream, we have a friend of the show, a regular collaborator. Chris Seferlis. How you doing, Chris? Doing well. How about yourself? Doing good. Doing good. Um, so I almost said something right for the pregame as we're getting ready for the little button to click and tell us to go live. I was like, normally I can like totally mess up the entry, the the opening, like in just let's just start over again. Because the show as what we're talking about today is normally available on the podcast is, you know, typically, we mess up. It's easy to just like, yeah, we'll just cut that out. We don't have that luxury today. So any pressure, you feeling any pressure with that?
1: (laughs) I'm just going to make sure we have the bleepers uh, at the standby (laughs) to make sure I don't drop any uh, bad words. (laughs)
0: Uh, It's all good. It's all good. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll be fine. I, I know I uh, overthink uh, sometimes when I'm live uh, and I like, don't overthink, you know, just talk a little slower and Everything will be all right. Uh, and, and if it's not, I refer to you all to go find our podcast. Uh, the one you and I did uh, several episodes ago where we talked about presenting and maybe doing things a little bit different. You know, that's one of the things we talk about is reading your room. Sometimes it's better with video, slow down a little bit. So uh, find us on uh, Google podcasts, Apple podcasts everywhere. Uh, we'll, we'll do a follow-up post and we'll, we'll include that include that link there. So uh, a lot has happened since uh, we've been in the studio. Um, anything new in your world? Anything happening? Anything you want to bring up initially? Um,
1: off the top of my head, no. Uh, you know, just it's it's kind of crazy. We're going through our digital transformation academy this week, which I'm sure Aspirant is somewhat involved with as well, right? Yep. Um, it's it's really our opportunity to uh, work with our partners to. Um, you know, collaborate and understand, you know, what opportunities that we can provide to our customers, um, you know, in in a a together format, you know, uh, I certainly wish I were in Vegas right now, instead of, uh, (laughs) sitting in, in my, my dungeon office, uh, on these back-to-back partner calls. I mean, I think I had last, I kind of had about 15 scheduled over a few days, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so, but it's a great opportunity to kind of, uh, sync not only with the internal teams, but also with, with partners, um, you know, and, and, you know, figure out better ways to help our customers. Certainly, um, what's, what's pressing right now for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the thing I, I try to sprinkle in in some of our conversations about different things. And it actually takes to be a successful partner uh, with Microsoft. It takes a lot of work on the partner side, but it also takes a lot of work on the Microsoft side. Um, th- there's been a massive change. And you and I have been in this world for a while. There's been a massive change in, in how partners interface with Microsoft. Um, and, and it's, you know, historically, it, w- it was, you know, rough and a challenge uh, just because it was, you know, the traditional partner model, but they've evolved it to, you know, if you can drive value and you can bring uh, customer solutions they need, then, you have a seat at the table with that customer and Microsoft will support you. Um, customers of all sizes. You know, I, I've right. worked for some partners that were, were minuscule compared to some of the, the larger, you know, you see every year partners of the year, which is these generally larger organizations. And it's refreshing to see that they they give as much attention and love, if you will, to partners of all sizes, as long as you're doing the right thing for the for the customer, uh, that's the important part. And, you know, if, if we're gonna be re- a little nerdy, I would I wish I had a graphic to put on here to talk about some of the nerdy stuff we talk about today, which is, which is good. If, if you're more business focused, um, th- this is the one takeaway I want to give you is that if you're not working with a, a Microsoft partner, uh, find one, you know, Aspirant, our sponsor of our show is a great one. Uh, there, there's great partners in many areas. There are partners that are specific partners in, in one particular uh, type of technology. And th- that's all they focus on. And then there's some general partners. Uh, there's a combination of partners that can help you get across the goal line. And and just to kind of not take the show in our, in our agenda off the rails, Microsoft has developed the system to where it's not just one partner anymore. It's like, okay, you're great at this thing and you're great at that thing. Let's all work together on behalf of the customer. And you know, I think that's some of the things that DTA can surface in all your back to back meetings. And again, thank you for taking time out of your busy week yeah. to, to have this.
1: Yeah, I know. And, and, and the reality is um, it, it gives us more perspective. Right. Is, you know, I, I'm I'm a value based salesperson architect. Right. Where um, I, I want to make sure that that my customers are understanding the best possible solution um, to whatever their you know initiatives are or challenges are and those kinds of things. And um, what, what this gives us an o- is an opportunity to get perspective on you know, what else is out there. Um, obviously, we have some great homegrown solutions. We've got some great reference architectures and, and everything along those lines. Um, but the reality is it's, it's more than um, you know, what we can throw out there because the partners can be that much more creative and they build that many more use cases that, you know, obviously Microsoft could never scale. Right, and, and I think that's a big differentiator for um, not only yeah. the partners, but also our, our clients, our customers, is that um, we do have such a re- rich ecosystem, um, whereas the other public clouds, um, good luck.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're, you're right. And the, the the funny thing is 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 for for aspirant well historically for most consulting companies I've done a lot of of the MPN side which is the Microsoft Partner Network side because it is complex, it is vast, it is deep. And and as a partner you have to choose am I going to be an MPN partner which is like a an integrator or an education partner or am I going to be a cloud solution provider? Am I going to just be a developer who wants to have the ability to post on marketplace and app source? Uh, so there's varying levels uh, of, of partnership out there. And it's the, 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 combination of them is, I mean, I can't tell you how vast it is. I mean, you can get lost in the forest of the MPN, and uh, not in a bad way, in a good way, just because the enablement and the programs that are there are amazing. And once you're even in, you know, certain partners have certain competencies in, like we do a lot of stuff with teams and Azure and Infrastructure and Modern Workplace. So like we have the ability to be enrolled in special programs for that. Uh, We are on the cusp of having another data certification. So we'll be able to, you know, deliver on some additional uh, data capabilities here probably within the next month. So, you know, having that understanding of what your partner can and can cannot do for you is important. And and making sure that you understand that it's it's not a hurt feeling if you need to get somebody that's, you know, a specialist in a specific area. So again, that was a major side road, as usual, to, <laughs> our, to our agenda. So sure. um, it, our conversations flow. Um, so in our opening, we talked about uh, a Cosmos DB update. Um, yeah. So I'm just going to give a, a, a quick framing. And then um, I'm gonna toss it to you, Chris. So uh, recently, a lot of the news feeds have been lit lit up. Uh, lots of news around some uh, exploits related to Cosmos DB, which is you know a really good scalable um, database solution that you know a lot of organizations have started using and moving to. And then uh, all of a sudden, is you see this massive. Oh no! There's this problem, and um, it needs to be fixed and in, you know, when you look deep into the problem, I didn't want to minimize the problem to make it less than, oh yeah, there was a challenge. Uh, I will say, and again, I'll, I'll look to you for details on what, what, what happened and what their remediation was, but it was like hours. I'm like, yeah, it's not an issue anymore. <laughs> so uh, yeah. do you have, do you have an update on what's happening with that or any, any more color to that flavor? I just to kind of soothe the ease of the mind since it's been top of mind. Sure. Yeah.
1: Um, so, you know, uh, just a, a, like you said, a high level overview, right? Cosmos DB is, um, you know, oftentimes considered a flagship database product, you know, in Azure, it's cloud only. Uh, there is an emulator version you can run to build your workloads on-prem, but the reality is it's a cloud only database for production needs. Um, you know, it's multimodal, multi multimaster. Uh, and, and the, the real value of it is, is how quickly, uh, you know, you can, uh, you yeah. Jeez, I'm, I lost, <laughs> um, you, you can replicate the data across the world, right? And, and so it's got a, a crazy SLA and uh, five nines and, and, you know, great, great things tied to it. Um, and, and what was discovered was that the way that, um, you know, customers can uh, work in their Cosmos environment is, is using Jupyter Notebooks. And there was a vulnerability in the way that the Jupyter Notebooks were connecting into the environment. Where um, you know, essentially running a query about the target Cosmos DB that it's running on, um, the attacker could then return um, a set of credentials related to that target DB, um, you know, things like uh, the the compute that's being used, uh, the, the storage account, and the primary key for that storage encryption. Um, and so, you know, essentially, um, they found the whole, they patched the hole, but they uh, notified customers who were potentially, not necessarily, definitely, but potentially exposed, um, and notified them as soon as possible. And you know, essentially, the, the guidance was to rotate your keys. Um, you know, so I, I think most folks um, on the technical side know exactly what that means. But mm-hmm. essentially, you're taking that um, you know that encryption key that that holds the details of your environment. You're turning it around and creating a new encryption key. And you should be secure at that point, right? And so, um, you know, from, from a, a, a patching standpoint, it has been uh, mitigated and, you know, we're, we're uh, moving on. So from that standpoint, a couple hours and then along yeah. you go, uh, you know, and, and that was really it, you know. And, and of course, um, you know, we take these things very, very seriously. I think I, I mentioned in our last show that, you know, Microsoft just um, quintupled our investment in security over the next uh, 4 years right it's a it's a 20 million dollar a 20 billion dollar investment over the next 4 years um, we used to spend only a billion on security every year, only. <laughs> uh, you know, so now we're going to 5 billion a year. Right. And so, um, you know, certainly, uh, want to make sure that, that our customers are, 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 safe and secure. Um, and you know, this, this is something that was taken very, very seriously. Um, uh, we notified all of our customers, all of our customer service account managers, all also accounting, uh, notified all their customers to make sure that everybody was notified about this. Um, you know, I, I, I can't even count the number of times that we've run into situations where uh, there's an old email account on the account. um, (laughs) That was redundant, but on the customer uh, notification account, if you will, uh, and and it just kind of went off into this black hole. And so we made sure that any customer that was even in jeopardy of possibly, um, you know, having having been exposed, uh, we let them know immediately.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And and again, it's a testament to how serious Uh, This is taken, uh, you know, you know, most most cloud providers don't want to have an an incident or an outage. Uh, It happens. Uh, It's how you respond to it is what predicates, you know, that that trust that they get from the public. Public trust is huge. and, And Microsoft is definitely definitely uh, up their game in the past decade plus in making sure that, you know, public trust is definitely earned. Um, speaking of public trust and things in the public, and, you know, there's a company out there, it's called Databricks, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I saw a news article that had Amazon, Microsoft, Databricks. And so the first right. thing I did was mash that on my phone and that, that morning and the, you know, the, the sleep's barely out of my eyes. I'm like, what is this? Uh, so, you know, I poured through it. And um, so Databricks has, I mean, as you know, as, at one organization we, we uh, co-worked at, you know, Databricks was a big, big option there, big play there. There was a lot of activity around Databricks. Um, so, you know, I'm very, my ears are very open to when I see that, or my eyes are very open to when I see that. And, you know, it kind of took me off guard. So you, you want to give some uh, insight into that news item. So, you know, one news yeah. item is like, great, There was an issue, we resolved it quickly. The next news item is, is Databricks, Amazon, Microsoft? What does that all mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, and this one's um, super exciting. Uh, When when IPO comes out, make sure to to check this one out. Um, Snowflake, I think doubled its first day when it went IPO. And so, you know, this one, um, I think we could expect even bigger and better things. Um, you know, Databricks in and of itself is sort of a next generation compute engine. Um, you know, we have an exclusive partnership for Azure Databricks, Databricks which, um, you know, it, it solves a lot of the complexity about connecting environments. Um, you know, we, we, our cloud is, is first and foremost targeted at our enterprise customers to make sure that they're having the best possible public cloud experience. Uh, you know, and so we want to give those end to end solutions. And so Azure Databricks um has the capability of having things like Azure Active Directory automatically sort of tied into it. And um, it, it solves a lot of challenges around role-based access controls and, and just access in general security and those kinds of things. And um, and so, you know, basically they have their own um, flavor of Spark an enhanced um, and, and uh, greatly improved version of Spark, which is an open source in-memory processing engine. And, um, you know, so essentially they have a whole platform uh, where, you know, they really, really excel at things like data science and machine learning, uh, you know, data exploration and th- some of those things. Uh, and <clears throat> Microsoft has, has been coupled with them for a long, long time. Um, but we're not alone. Right. So, uh, you know, Amazon, AWS is, is also an investor, uh, you know, going back to as far back as, as I saw as 2018, 2019 uh, you know, we've made strategic investments with them, but the other uh, public clouds have as well. They they recently went on to um, GCP uh, for another offering, right? And it's it's all about the partnership. It's it's all about um, you know making sure that we we're giving our customers what they need in order to be successful. Uh, you know, it's not for everybody. It's it's largely. Um, uh, code-based development environment. And so, you know, for for folks that are comfortable with that SSIS, more visual-based uh, that we'll talk about here next, uh, you know, in, in sort of that GUI uh, wrapper, if you will, around the environment, it may not be for those folks, uh, but but folks that are coming from the open source world, from the Clouderas, the Hadoops, you know, um, anything that use Spark, uh, you know, and a lot of those types of things, uh, Databricks is, is kind of a natural progression. Uh, you know, we, we certainly have some other flavors. Um, you know, we've got a partnership with Cloudera, we've got a partnership with Hadoop um, for, for an HD Insight product. And so there are, you know, it's it's all about the platform, right? We've had this conversation numerous times. It's about, it's all about the platform and being able to um, give our customers what they need to make them successful. Now, what I will say, what's different about Databricks is that it is a first-party service, and so when our customers uh, go to um, work in the Databricks environment, it's, it's in the Azure environment, and they also get those bills within the Azure environment. So all of that bill, um, all, of, all of the invoices that are related to the charges for Databricks, they all get rolled right up into the same bill. And that's one of the differentiators. It certainly makes things a lot easier for, um, you know, for the, um, you know, finance departments and things like that, that are, that are looking to process that.
0: Yeah. Um, so quick question on that real quick. Uh, so, sure. so I know like product, uh organiz- Cisco, perfect example, right? So there's things in Azure that are Cisco, like you can get a V1000, you can get like a Cisco appliance, it's out there and they have the bring your own license model, uh, mm-hmm. do, you, do you ever see that happening with a product like Databricks, uh, where you're able to say you have an investment in Databricks on a different platform and you already have some subs- subscription or you know, support agreement? Do you see the ability to make that a portable? Because uh, I, I don't know as if I, if I know that answer. I've never been asked that answer either or mm-hmm. question either. So have you ever seen sure that? Sure. or?
1: So it's, it's not really about licensing. Um, you know, it's it's about what um, using the service and what is the compute that's required to build those operations. Um, so you're not paying um, for a specific license of Databricks. There are tiers that you can use. You have a standard tier and a, a premium tier. Uh, and, and a lot of that has to do with some additional security features and, and things like that. More more bells and whistles under the hood um, of, of the premium tier. and. But when when it comes to that the portability question, that's more around um, how your service is set up. Uh, you know, in essence, um, when when you're running in these types of environments, you're running uh, notebooks of some sort, and each of the notebooks has uh, a series of cells. That um, in within those cells, you're running the code that you're you know doing whatever your you know data manipulation, data extraction, whatever it happens to be, whatever that operation is. And essentially you're taking um, that code, that notebook, which you've written in any notebook, right? Um, you know, you've got uh, Jupyter Notebooks, which is, is a very, very popular one where you can uh, write all of your code in the notebooks and then you could very easily bring it to any of those uh, cloud services, right? And so, and then also Synapse has open source Spark that is available to use Those same notebooks. I mean, there might be a little bit of code uh, change or something like that, just to um, adapt to the environment. You know, um, you know, I think of Azure Blob File Service, right? (laughs) AVFS. When you connect to that, right? Um, You're you're going to have a different link when you go into connect into those services. You might have to bring in a different library to connect to one of the uh, accompanying services or something like that. But for the most part, that is very very portable, um, which I think. Um, You know, I have customers that come to me and they they say, you know, I want to be cloud agnostic with my data processing engine or my data warehouse and things like that. And a lot of times something like a Databricks is is very, very appealing to them for that reason is, you know, um, when we talk about the Synapse MPP engine formerly SQL data warehouse uh, that is, you know, for your tabular data, row-based, uh, you know, and and essentially it's it's designed for that type of data, but you're locked into that SQL code and it really only works on that engine, right? And so, otherwise you have to translate it and all kinds of stuff. It's not gonna work in, in some of the other uh, competing products in that space. And so, um, you know, again, a lot of times it comes down to the requirements, uh, you know, and, and I get a lot of customers ask, I mean, whether it's in, um, uh, you know, uh, community events, speaking engagements, um, you know, customers directly, you know, wh- what is the relationship with Microsoft and Databricks? It seems like they're somewhat competing products. Um, and and again, you know, Azure is a platform. And so we wanna give the customer the best possible options for them to do what they need to do. Um, and so we, we need to think about the big picture when we talk about that. But on the other hand, um, Microsoft is a firm believer in um, the the strengths of what Databricks has to offer, and so they're an investor, right? They're a partner with Databricks in in more ways than just from a platform standpoint. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so the latest article, and this is probably the one you saw last week, right? Where you know Databricks closes Series H with additional participation from strategic partners, right? And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll drop this link so you have it in the sn- in the show notes. Um, but essentially. Databricks just raised another 1.6 billion in funding, um, and they've got now a total valuation of 38 billion, which you know is just amazing. Uh, and and Microsoft wants to be part of that ride.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, when when it works, it works. And I'm just going to touch on uh, one one bit that you said is, and we get that all the time. It, you know, part of the jobs we have as a partner is helping organizations figure out what, what product they need, because there are so many like products, right. And I say this over and over again, anybody that works on my team probably is tired of hearing this. And if you watch this on the record, you're, probably going to plug your ears. One size does not fit all. One right. size does not fit all in like organizations or within an organization. It's use case dependent and in how you intend to use the technology. And it's not budget driven. I mean, it, it, it ultimately everything's budget driven, but the, the, <laughs> t- the technical choice it needs to lead the conversation of this is the right thing to do. And here's why. You know, right. we've talked in the past about, you know, RPA and power apps and functions and all the various ways you can move data around and make things actionable uh, on a day to day. This is just yet another case. And when we talk about the data platform, you know, we, we say all the time is like, you know, I hear people say, I have a data warehouse. I was, I was like, well, what kind of data warehouse? Oh, what, SQL. So you have SQL data warehouse. And they're like, no, we have a SQL database. It's like that's a SQL database. It's not. I mean, <laughs> you're using it as you're you're categorizing it as a data warehouse, but it's yeah. not actually technically performing the data warehouse function that like old DW used to or <laughs> the yeah. Synapse P can. So you know that becomes a, a an educational opportunity. And then you know certain factions of the business we're talking to, they're just going to glaze over. Just tell me what you need. And then there's going to be those who are technically vested are going to be like oh, I didn't know that, you know, like sure. you have SQL DB, SQL MI, you know, Synapse. I mean, the, the choices are deep and then you layer in some of these partners like Databricks, you know, it's all use case dependent. Um, one of the things that, you know, can span across the SQL world and you mentioned it earlier is SSIS. And so when we were talking uh, a couple of days ago about what we w- would want to discuss, um, you know, I, I typically pick things that, I get surfaced a lot from customers and within the past several weeks, there's been a lot of conversations around ADF, which is Azure data factory and a lot of conversations around, we have this investment in SSIS already. And what, what does that mean? Because I mean, what do I do? I want it to be in data factory. Can I move it there on my own? And then the conversation comes down to do we just refactor this and put it in ADF or not? Uh, so I thought the, one of the great people we could talk to is you on this uh, because I, I know for sure you've had this conversation probably a billion times. Yeah. Um, so uh, for, for our listeners uh, watching live and in post, off to you Chris. <laughs> all
1: right yeah no i, I and it, it's funny you describe a lot of things that, that come up in the day job for me as well right um you know when you say you have a data warehouse what exactly does that mean because my definition of a data warehouse is probably very different from your definition of a data warehouse <laughs> you know and, and sometimes you just blow their mind when they and you ask them what you know what uh, your favorite data warehousing methodology is and things like that <laughs> so um with you know uh, ssis obviously uh uh a, a very highly regarded integration tool for, for data movement and transformation uh, you know, we go back to 2005 with SSIS uh, SQL server integration services to the folks who are um, just tuning in. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, You know, it's still a product. It's still a viable product as part of our SQL Server packaging. Right. Um, We we, in fact, uh, we we, in I believe the 2017 version, um, we gave some scale out options so you could run your SSIS jobs across multiple SQL servers. Right. To be able to uh, handle a bunch of uh, data at one time in, in parallel. And so um, it's certainly nothing we're getting away from, um, but for the folks who are saying, okay, well, you know, I, I've been running SSIS, you know, since 2005 or, or at least version 2005 and going forward, and, and we've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of man hours that have gone into these packages, you know, w- what am I just expected to abandon them and, and move yeah. away, you know, uh, and, and the answer is no, you know, and so... What what was something that was um, brought out very very early in this process? Um, you know, Data Factory V2. It, it's a we got to be very clear about that distinguishing line because because V1 is is truly um, just a data movement tool, right? It was it, you know it had a few connectors. You could run it on prem. Uh, it would run on a uh, a loop and just go pick up some files and bring them over. Maybe something from a database or something like that. Uh, very rudimentary by comparison. Now. Gen two, um, we we went into public preview back in December of 2017, I remember. And um, we were doing a lot of work with it back then. It was creating a bunch of excitement. Uh, And and really the the goal was to have a cloud native ETL tool, uh, ELT tool um, that that gave our our customers the option uh, to build all of those um, orchestrations and transformations up in the cloud. And certainly, you know a lot of customers were running SSIS jobs. And so one of the first services that accompanied Azure Data Factory within um, the the Azure portal was the notion of um, SSIS uh, integration runtime, which allowed essentially uh, you to take your SSIS package and bring it up into Azure and run it the way it lived. Um, soon after, uh we we brought out the ssis runtime we also brought in a lot of the partner related uh software add-ons that went with ssis again going back to 2005 you know it was a hardened, mature product that people had a lot of confidence in and so you had a whole partner ecosystem um just to name a few off the top of my head cozy rock kingsway soft uh pragmatic works Uh, You know, there were there were a good number of these um, partners who had built on top of SSIS to give more capabilities to connect to new sources, to be able to um, do different kinds of data translation and things like that. And so um, with the ADF integration runtime, uh, SSIS integration runtime within ADF, we basically said, here, you can lift up those uh, SSIS packages, drop them into our ADF environment. Uh, you're paying for the compute in the background to run those ADF jobs, sorry, those SSIS jobs, um, but you can keep them the same. You're gonna probably update some destinations and sources and things like yep. that, right? But and, and then there were some edge use cases where like it's maybe some custom code that wouldn't quite work or something like that, right? But for the most part, you were able to take um, that package as it lived today and move it up into Azure and away you went, and that's great, you know. And and that still continues today. It it really depends on what is the customer need, right? Um, do do they want to stay and maintain maintain those SSIS packages, um, you know, to infinity? I don't know. That that's up to them, right? Uh, the availability is there. Can you do it more efficiently with ADF? possibly, right? Can you refactor them for a cloud native service that is that is designed for moving massive amounts of data in a very short amount of time for translating massive amounts of data in a very short amount of time? Absolutely. Um, the the uh, development environment, um, you know, for expressions and things like that is greatly enhanced over what we had in SSIS. Uh, I far I superior for far. Yeah, superior. Yeah, 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 I mean, you know, whether it's IntelliSense, or just um, yep. the, the, the category of, uh, or, you know, uh, catalog, I should say, of, of commands and things like that. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an all around great tool. And so, you know, I, I think with anything else, when we start talking about cloud versus prem, is it's, it's you know, if we have that sort of cloud first mindset, it doesn't mean that we're taking everything we're doing on prem and moving it to the cloud and going to all cloud native services immediately, right? It's more about, um, okay, are we, we, we want to get out of a data center. We have to move this to the cloud. Okay, we can help with that, right? We've got all kinds of tools around migration. You and I have done a lot of conversations about migrations and, uh, you know, all of those types of things. Right. And then, you know, having that mindset of saying, I want to be able to have um, the the cloud native features on the next version of my product. And that's where the real value is. Now you compare um, Azure Data Factory to any of the other cloud integration tools that are cloud native, uh, and and by 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 far it's the best product out there. You, you yeah. cannot compete with any of the public cloud services, um, any of the former services that are maybe running in like an IaaS type situation. You know where you have to spin up virtual machines to get it to do all that information. Um, you know ch- chugging along and, and translation and all that. Um, you know. Far superior experience. Uh, they've got over 95 connectors now in, in Azure Data Factory to different services, all of your favorites, right? So you've got, um, you know, Salesforce and, and Dynamics and on-prem databases, on-prem style systems. You've got open standards like OData, um, ODBC, OLEDB, all those types of things. Um, and then plus you've got other um, grabbing data from other cloud services, you know, from, uh, from the S3 buckets and things like that. And so, you know, for those customers that say to me, hey, Chris, um, you know, we, we've got a thousand SSIS packages um, for our ETL jobs. My first question is gonna be like, well, what are you doing with your data warehouse? What is your eventual plan, right? Cause you've got some legacy data there. Um, if you move that legacy data off of your data center, off of, you know, the, the NAS that's sitting in the closet and you're gonna put it into Azure data lake storage, you're going to save yourself a lot of time and money by dropping it into Azure Data Lake and then pulling it in with Databricks or Synapse or, you know, whatever your data warehouse of choices, um, data warehousing cho- uh, tool of choices, right? And so um, you're going to save a lot of time and money by doing that. It's a relatively easy and straightforward process, uh, you know, but maybe there's something that's super complex. It's going to take a really t- a long time to rebuild. Well, if you don't need to rebuild it, right, if, if it isn't broke. Don't fix it, right? As they say, um, you know, and and, and um, I, I would say, bubble up the things that are are of highest priority, or can save you a lot of time and effort by making them cloud native. Do those first, right? Get those out of the way. And then, yeah, maybe the next gen data warehouse or then you don't want to start taking advantage of some of the tools that we just talked about. Right. Some of the Databricks or synapses or, you know, even snowflakes of the world. Right. Um, We're a platform. And so we want to give our customers the ability to use all of those with the cloud native tools that go along with it.
0: Yeah, you want you want to if you if you're going to move something to the cloud there's there's advantages first of all like uh, the typical low-hanging fruit of like it's somewhere that it's going to be on you know that you know all the back end speeds and feeds and all that's handled right but the question is is about should I refactor it, it, pointedly around SSIS to ADF is like the question is is what's the advantage of of rewriting all that work to put it on a platform right. that can accept it near as is. So the question is, is does that level of effort have an advantage? Uh, so that, that's a business discussion, not a technology right. discussion, right? And right. you know, some technology uh, people were like, you know what? I want it all on the new stuff just because it's new. And it's, well, it's running inside that environment. It's there, it's technically on the new stuff. You're just leveraging that, that mind spend that you did already to, to build that out. And then it gives you the time to slowly refactor without having that. We have these 50 jobs and we have to rewrite them all and it all has to be ready for day one. Well, if we move it as is, you're ready day one. And, and you know, right. tweak a little here and there, but then we can gradually say, you know, over a certain period of time, you know, allocate the, the resources to do that. And I, I strongly encourage that, you know, people want to have sure. the, you know, the, the, the new stuff. Like when you get the new car, You want to, you know, all the new, like, I know I've had this, but like, people are like, I've never had a heated seat before, like on off, on off. It's summertime. It's 90 degrees. Do you really need to turn the heated seat on, you know? So make (laughs) the decision of making sure that, you know, the thing you're doing makes sense. And then what is the advantage? Is there a strategic advantage, cost advantage? Like why do you need to refactor this? Uh, Because, you know, and I I knew what your answer was going to be because you and I have worked before. And, it doesn't have to be changed. The question right. is, is do it when appropriate. Yeah. I mean, you know, it comes back to the
1: budget conversation, right? Yep. Nobody has endless budgets, um, you know, especially for legacy stuff. Right. And and yep. so um, I, you know, I, so I'm writing this book on cognitive services and essentially uh, I think my readers when it comes out are, are going to say, you know if he tells us one more time to not adopt technology for the sake of technology, I'm going to puke, right? Because it's, you know, it's great. We love this technology stuff, right? We, we, we love eating up. We love playing with the new projects. We love learning new things. I mean, that is the nature of being a technologist and it's awesome, right? The the problem is, is it doesn't always make sense dollars and cents wise, unless you're willing to spend nights and weekends doing it. Right. And, and because, you know, the day job is more, concerned about what's bringing immediate business value
0: to them. Absolutely. And and that's the fine line when you're, when you sit in a a CTO seat and you're like trying to, you want to do all the latest and greatest cool stuff, um, but as we have talked on previous shows and I encourage our, uh, the listeners, uh, either live or in post here, um, follow up in some of our shows. We've had some really good conversations like around, you know, ethical computing around doing things f- from a migration perspective, you know, why migrate everything you have? Is there a reason to do that? Why are you moving it there? Because you have it because you want it, you know, make the business decision to move only what needs to be moved. That's business that you need for business that drives revenue or value or, or, or meaning move that and you're gonna lower your cloud costs because you're not gonna move 10 petabyte. You're maybe moving five petabyte or two terabyte when you're all said and done, who knows? Uh, right. We don't know what your right. data landscape looks like. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, definitely good stuff. Um, anything yeah. else you wanna bring up on that? No, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, you know, it, it, I just had uh, the
1: honor of uh, being distinguished as a, a data god, um, yep, you know, you on, on recently, you know, and and um, I, I, I'm i bummed out because I can't remember his name. Um, a great guy who, who nominated me as, as a data god, you know, and he, he contacted me, reached out and he said, Hey, Chris, you know, I, I'd like to do this for you, you know, and, and put you out there. He said, you know, but what, what do you call yourself the data god of? And and I was just like, you know, I can't think of anything better than business value, right? Yeah. Because ultimately, it's all about what makes, what makes the most sense for your business, right? It's not about adopting technology for the sake of technology. It's about what can you bring forward uh, to help your business, you know, stay competitive, save costs, you know, whatever it happens to be, um, you know, because I do firmly and strongly believe in that.
0: Yeah, I I agree too. Uh, we are like minded in a lot of ways, and that's definitely one of them. Um, yeah, so I think we're uh, gonna draw the 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 stream and the recording to a close. Uh, as usual, I'd like to thank uh, Aspirant for you know sponsoring, making the show possible. And you know we've had over the years uh, a, a lot of good success with reaching a lot of people with our messaging, uh, and we are definitely tracking the the right way. That's why we're. We're doing the show, which is normally an audio show. We're trying to do it live too. We're trying to reach more people. So uh, please visit Aspirant uh, if you're watching it. It is uh, on the screen. If you're not, we'll have it in the show notes. And if you want to follow Chris, uh, real quick before I pop up your Twitter, I've been doing that throughout the show. The system's been kicking that out. Do you have any recent YouTube drops that you've had? Oh, geez. I did the Synapse short
1: uh, last month, uh, which we kind of go through – Um, uh, you know, the different types of tables and, and distributions you can have in Synapse. Actually, just working with a colleague, so we're going to have uh, uh, about four or five shows where we're going to talk about Synapse architectures, um, using some of the related tools in the Azure Data Platform, Um, you know, Power BI and Azure Analysis Mm -hmm. Services and stuff like that. So keep an eye out for that. You know, we're hoping to record just in the next week here. So, Um, so that's really exciting. We're going to do, you know, like I said, about four or five shows um, that'll kind of fall in that Synapse Shorts because you know we really want to kind of help customers understand different ways that you know other customers are, are uh, onboarding the products but yeah so that's youtube.com/bizdatavis slash
0: yep and uh definitely encourage people to get out there even some of your early on episodes are are drive value so i that's such a Thanks man I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah it, it's, I believe that but drive value I mean they're good just go go watch it. <laughs> Everyone knows how to reach me normally uh so if you don't uh prime d3 uh long reason why that uh, yeah uh, we, we <laughs> got to find
1: out on one of these shows i'll definitely
0: i'll definitely let you know it is definitely nerdy so uh it, <laughs> it is what it is so uh, again thank you all as listeners and viewers now uh we appreciate you and again thank aspirant look in the show notes we'll put uh, uh a bunch of uh links we'll be looking on social media on linkedin we'll questions anything we talked about you want to challenge anything we talked about find us there the show will be out there we're, we're definitely up for it and uh aside from that have a good day thank you again chris yeah,
1: great so yeah thanks for having me Alrighty,
0: we'll talk bye. to y'all bye today's show is brought to you by aspirant you aspire together we achieve this production is for information and entertainment purposes only not all technologies and items discussed are compatible with your system or specific configuration your mileage may vary it's a professional before trying anything discussed on this show. Visit show notes for relevant information and links.